the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Megan. And I'm Deidre. And today we have a special guest with us. Hillary Mize is joining us from the Atlanta, Georgia area. She was originally from California and uh, ended up becoming really good friends with my sister-in-law. So we have a mutual connection there. And as we uh, have been talking about Enneagram types, Hillary was interested in learning a little bit more about hers. So we decided that she would be a great candidate to join us for an on-air typing session. And uh, she doesn't know her number yet going into this, but I'm going to let Hillary tell you a little bit more about her, uh, where she comes from and what she does and her family. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, I'm the worst. So tell me more about yourself. And I should probably have a script being that I'm an actor. Um, Originally from Southern California, born and raised. Uh, I like dogs. I say like a lot, but I don't know how to surf. Uh, so I just get all of those California stereotypes there. And uh, I went to Cal State Fullerton and got a theater degree and a psychology minor and then moved up to Los Angeles to pursue my CD film career. Had some success there. That's actually where and how I met Meg. Um, she was our office manager at a networking company called Act Now. And um, really was not seeing the movement in my career that I wanted to see. And so I was looking for a change and saw so much work moving out to Georgia and Atlanta specifically. I was not married, no kids at the time. I had never lived outside of the state because I went to college locally and hadn't had that experience. And so I opted to put a safety net and like rent out my town home and still have a place to return to if I didn't like Georgia. Um, but came out here and fell in love with it. And shortly thereafter, um, met my husband. We got married. He has two kids from a previous relationship. So I became instant mom, um, got pregnant and birthed a baby of my own. And I'm now out here in Georgia being a mom and an acting coach, an actor and all that jazz. So uh, I think that's covered all of the topics about me, my family, where I'm at. All that yeah, I, asked, I threw a bunch at you. I'm sorry. But I feel like that you gave us a pretty good picture of yeah. your life. Yes. <laughs> That's right. awesome. Insta mom. I like that phrase. <laughs> so we'll just jump right in. And I guess like this is the first time you I've ever met you. I'm assuming this is the first time you two have ever met. Is that right? We've had a few encounters. Uh, yeah. Oh. I never really sat and talked though. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so outside of a short text conversation about a week ago, uh, this is our first conversation. So uh, just to let everybody know, when usually when I start a typing session with people, I send them some core fears, longings, desires, and weaknesses of each type and let people kind of eliminate some. So I did send you that about what, 10 minutes ago and gave you a lot of (laughs) ramp up time to take a look. Yeah. So Hillary, based on that, were there any, well, just, yeah. What did you think when you skimmed through those nine types? Okay. So when I skimmed through my initial thought was, well, I don't know if I would say any of these are a fear. I think there are dislikes to these, but I don't know if I would have like a debilitating, crippling fear of these. Um, and I think maybe like the fear of being manipulated like that one, I was like, well, I wouldn't like that, but I also wouldn't allow that to happen. And I don't know, I was just going through and been like, I don't know if I would like that, but I feel like, like being left out the FOMO and be like, man, whatever people can have their lives without me, no big deal. <laughs> like, I <was> just, <laughs> like I was going through trying to like justify, like, what would I really be afraid of? And I just couldn't find one. So help guide me. Let, tell me what my fears are. Tell me, <laughs> tell me what I'm good at. Tell me what I'm bad at. What do I need to improve? Let me know. All right. So I think the session's over. Deidre. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Listen, I don't think that's enough to go on, except that I'm kind of going this direction. 
Absolutely. Okay, now, I'm, now I'm going to eight. Hold on a second. Okay, pull up eight. Let's start there. Okay. Being weak, powerless, harm, controlled, vulnerable, manipulated, and left at the mercy of injustice. I mean, maybe. I feel like vulnerable, that would be a tough one as an actor. That's kind of your profession to be vulnerable. So I don't know if that would be. But yeah, let's go, let's go ahead and further define fear and all of that stuff. Well, what about the rest of it? It's not just the fear. What about that longing, desire, and even the weakness there? Um, protecting your, okay, so protecting yourself and those in your inner circle. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm like a total mama bear in regard to that. Hustic um, says, constantly desiring uh, intensity, control, and power, pushing yourself willfully on life and people in order to get what you desire. Oh, that doesn't sound so good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a control freak. Um, <laughs> you will not be betrayed. Oh, I, yeah, I guess that would, that would rile me up a bit. If somebody betrayed me, <laughs> that would not make me happy. Um, yeah, let's go with eight. Okay. Let's talk about eight. <laughs> I haven't even read the rest of it. And I was like, let's deal with eight. I'm an eight. Eights are fairly decisive about things and don't and kind of generally like themselves. So when they read that description, they're like, I mean, that doesn't sound good. But <laughs> also, who would want to be betrayed? You know, no, right. of course, nobody wants to be. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, when we teach on the Enneagram, I feel like Deidre usually teach on eights. So I don't know if there's something you just want to start kind of teaching about there and seeing like Hillary, as you're hearing her, just what resonates, what doesn't stop her and interrupt and say, explain that, or that doesn't sound like me, or that does sound like me. Mm -hmm. And we'll just kind of listen to what you're saying as you hear what she says. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they call the eight, the challenger. And I think in some ways that's good because you think like we need people to stand up to the bullies in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and we also, the thing about eights is they, um, they want to make sure that what they're standing on is secure. So they're going to challenge things sometimes to be sure that it can hold weight, you know, mm -hmm. whether that's relationships or theories or philosophies or daily disciplines, like whatever it policies. is, like, what'd you say? Policies in a workplace. Yeah. Or... Policies. <laughs> like they're going to challenge it to see like, if it holds, then yes, this will hold weight. And I'm, and I can lean into it. They're not distrusting They're Like, uh, there's other types who might question things because they just inherently don't trust, but an eight is just, they're going to challenge things to make sure that they can put their weight on it. And others can, they, mm -hmm. they are, um, sometimes they look like the bully cause they can look defiant, but the defiance isn't against people. Again, it's kind of like pressing and pushing back to see if the thing withstands. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to be maybe the ones in the, you know, the, the little kids that might've been a little more, uh, what do we call them? Two-year-olds that, <laughs> just opinionated. the strong-willed <laughs> children. Yes. You might mm -hmm. sound opinionated, but even as maybe a teen or something, you might, you might sound defiant, but you're really just asking questions. Cause you want to know, like, if this can hold up, then you should have an answer, you know, like, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you're going to push back and you want to be met with the same surety and energy. And if you put in 110%, you want your partners or whoever that is, that's in the working environment or relationship with you to put in 110%. Um, so it sounds like, oh, they're kind of a bully and they just, you know, they're defiant and everything. And that's not really why it, those, some of those actions would happen. Now, also in any type, we can have a lot of levels of health and mm -hmm. unhealth, right? So everyone isn't going to read one description and be like, that's me. But mm -hmm. maybe we can think about ourselves as at a more immature age, like late teens, early twenties, think about how we process 
fears or new environments or risky relationships, those kinds of things. And, um, uh, you said something about like, as a, as an actress, your, your vulnerability is important to you because you have to lay it out there. And I would say that actually in that way, eights would find that to be one of their strengths because Mm -hmm. they don't wear any mask. They are who they are and they're always who they are. And they're going to come into the situation either being fully who they are and commanding the room through humor, energy, maybe actual like bossing people around if the situation warrants it, not necessarily though, you know, um, but if they don't have what they think they need to take on that challenge, then they're going to kind of regroup, get more resources, get more training, get more information Mm -hmm. before they come back into that space, perhaps. Um, so the, the thing that really gets us into this, uh, the space. Well, so the other thing about eights is they just have this vastness for like taking in life. So they're similar to a seven in that way. Like they just, they have this expansiveness about life where they want to be fully immersed in, in everything. And if something is good, let's have more of that, Mm -hmm. right? Like why not? Um, so they're the ones, the adventurers that go out to conquer. They're the pioneers for things. They're the boss, they're the entrepreneurs, you know, they're the ones who, um, they see beyond today. So they're very future focused and they're very task oriented and doing oriented. So whatever propels them toward action, uh, tends to be what motivates them. And they're, we would say that they are feeling repressed and that has to be kind of defined. It just means of doing and thinking, feeling those three feelings are a little harder to access. Mm-hmm. Although things that propel them toward action or doing. So maybe anger, maybe passion, you know, maybe, maybe it's not always bad, like a passion about things. Um, so what they do feel, they tend to feel big and it tends to be something that moves them forward rather than like, maybe they're not going to be as prone to melancholy or things Mm. that, uh, kind of bog them down from moving into the future or the forward thinking or the doing. Mm -hmm. That's so a lot of words. It, it was a lot of words. Um, Hillary, you, I can see your face on our listeners. <laughs> I'm <And> taking notes. <laughs> awesome. So yes. I can see what you're nodding with and what you paused at, but I want you to kind of process through a little bit of what you heard there and what resonated, what maybe didn't. Well, let me review my notes. Um, <laughs> so first you started off Deirdre with um, the eights are challengers. So they, they, you know, stand up to the bully, but can sometimes be seen as the bully. Um, and they want to make sure that what they're standing on holds weight. And I definitely like that totally resonates to me because I'm a, like a question asker mm-hmm. and not again, because I distrust what's going on, but because I want to understand and know like, am I aligning myself with this or not? And if I am, why? And if I'm not, why? And like you said, seek more resources (laughs) to know. That is a totally like me thing um, that my husband will tell you like finds annoying because sometimes when I'm asking the why, it's I think his whatever his number is, but there is this like, well, do you distrust me because you're asking that? And I'm like, no, I just want to understand your point of view or where you're coming from and all of that. Um, so yeah, that was like a big, like, mm-hmm, that makes sense. Um, let's see here. The vulnerability like doesn't wear masks. Yeah. I definitely think I'm somebody who I think as a human being living in this world, there's an element of maybe a modification to our personality of who we are within different um, locations or different professions or whatever it is, but there's always an underlying thing. And I think my underlying thing is like, no matter if I'm a coworker or I'm at church or I'm at school or I'm, 
doing a play or whatever it is that I'm just very honest. And that's like a, like, I just don't have a filter in regard to that. So if I, if I see something that is not honest, or I have a question about that, um, I, I'm not very tactful in regard to that. So I think it's just like, wait, I have a question. Um, what's going on here? And like, when you were talking about the, um, Megan, where you're like, maybe I insulted her. I don't know. Years ago, um, I started uh, a business together with my friends and one of my um, friends who I started the business with, Mackenzie, was like, I think it might be helpful for you if you do a couple smiley faces or exclamation points in your responses, because when you just say what you're saying, it kind of comes off like attacking, even though it's not. But when you just use a period, people are like, why did you just use a period? (laughs) And so I'm like, oh, okay. And sure enough, when I would like just say what I was going to say and do like a smiley face, then it was like, oh, okay, we're good. (laughs) But when I don't use a smiley face, people are like, I think she hates me. I don't know what's going on. That's Um, awesome. And that's totally true. I, there will be times when I'll just send like an okay with a period and Deidre will like call me and be like, what did I do? Why, what's wrong? Cause she yeah, knows yeah. Like, I am communicating something when I do that. Um, but I'm doing that intentionally to be manipulative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> an eight would be like, what? That's just how, that's how I was feeling. And so that's what I typed. <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, I, was I didn't know I needed to, grammar. Yeah. I didn't need to pad this for you. Yeah. Like, why should I pad this for you? Yeah. Yeah. I've had several people that are like, you were really, um, scary or intimidating or whatever it was when we first met. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. That wasn't my intention. I was just in a, like a business like role or whatever it was. And then when they get to know me, they're like, Oh no, that's just Hillary. Um, so yeah, I can come off a little abrasive at the beginning, which I'm like, man, whatever that, that is what it is. I'm sorry if that's the case. I promise <laughs> I don't hate everybody. Um, let's see here. Uh, taking in life. I think that one was interesting. Cause I feel like there are sometimes where, there is this fear of like, Ooh, I'm not going to be the best at it. So I might not try it. And then at the same time too, the thing that moves me forward of like, Oh, well, I've never done this before. So I have no scale to compare it to. So of course I'm going to be a novice and let's just go ahead and see what happens. Um, and I do do things like that, but I tend to do them very limited. (laughs) It's not like every day I'm doing a new experience. It's more like, let's try something. And then if I feel like I can progress um, at certain levels of it, I'll continue it. And other times I'm like, that was fun as an experience (laughs) and then check it off the list and move on to something else. Um, yeah, feelings, my feelings are always big. It is like, that's one of the things I think. So our Deirdre's sister-in-law, Meg, who's one of my best friends, we've got this group of girlfriends we call the God squad. And I think that's kind of one of the things that like, I'm known as the crier in the group, which is kind of like, how, why you like, but I'm like, I just cry all the time because I'm passionate and I just like work through my crying and then like, Hey, I feel things very deeply. So I'm not always sad. I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated. Sometimes that's just, I'm feeling a big emotion and I just know that like, that's, what's going to happen. And so my emotions are like always big. My feelings are always big. Um, when you feel those emotions, mm-hmm. do you stop and sit in them or do you feel them and then move on? Like I felt it. Let's keep going. You know, I think it really depends upon where I'm at in the season. I mean, there's especially now as a, as a woman of my age, not to say that I'm crazy old, um, but I think you just mature as you get older. And so you're like, okay, there's like outside stress. There's hormones <laughs> that take into play. Like there's all of these things. So sometimes there are times where I get stuck in the wallow and there's other times I'm like, I take a step back and be like, oh, okay, this is 
like a premenstrual <laughs> feeling and I'm like, eh, that's going to go away in a couple of days. Um, so I think it just really depends upon what's happening and where my mindset is. And, um, you know, do I have time to, to take that moment to myself? Cause I'm sure as you guys know, as mom, sometimes you're just stuck in that helping everybody else that it's difficult to be like, Oh, I have to step back and go, Hey, I'm, I'm having a moment. Let me figure this out. Um, and sometimes you don't get that moment. So I think it, 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 yes. And then there's no, so I can't be like all the time and then never, um, it just all kind of dependent. I have a question for you to kind of circle back to the, sometimes you won't do it if you are not the best at it. Can, Mm -hmm. Can you kind of expound on like just how that's played out in your life a little bit? Um, I I understand it. I'm just wanting to kind of drill down on that. So I think that, okay, well, I'll bring it back to this. So several years ago, I picked up running and not because I'm athletic, not because I did any sort of sports in high school or college, because that was not the case. Um, But there was a guy that I was seeing who's like, I like to run. And I was like, okay, let's just try this out and see how that goes. I've never done it before. And there was a part of me that was like, this sucks. Why do people actually enjoy running? I don't understand this aspect of it at all. I'm never going to be like a, I'm going to get up in the morning and run. But because I knew I wasn't going to be the best, it was kind of that challenge of like, well, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my own pace. It's going to take me a really long time, but it's something I've never done before. So I'm going to push myself to do it. And so I gave myself goals. Like I ended up doing, like I did several five K's. I did those like, um, warrior dash type of things. I ended up doing, um, a half marathon. And so those are things that like never in my life, like I was like, I always did like dance for cardio work. I never did running. Like that was the like most boring thing to do, but I was like, I'm going to take on this challenge and do it. Recognizing that I wouldn't be the best, but there was that issue of like comparing comparing myself against others who I'm like, well, I should look like this, and I should be doing this, and I should be feeling this because that's what runners do. Instead of recognizing like I'm challenging myself, here's this thing that I'm doing that is like helping me mentally, helping me physically, even though I despise it most of the time. But like I did it, you know, and that's something that I feel like now that I have that experience. Now I'm in the season of like, okay, I've had a child, I've gained all this baby weight. And I'm like, now I have that comparison of like, oh gosh, I can never go back to what that experience was for me. So I'm comparing myself to like the best version of myself as a runner. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like, ooh, do I want to go back and go running again? Or do I want to do something completely different that I've never done before that I don't have that like fear comparison, um, where it's just a new experience that I can jump into and take it on as an individual challenge by itself. I'm kind of laughing because you were like, I, I avoid things if I'm not the best, but instead you ended up running a half marathon. So, like, <laughs> well, you didn't ask me my time, but so. <laughs> okay. I would not call that avoidance. I would call that goal setting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was getting to that. I'm sure Megan, you knew why, but um, because one of our other types that is a big feeler is also very much about being like the winner or first place or achiever in that way. And so I was just trying to kind of separate some of those things to make sure we're not mistyping. Um, So I think when the other type that would be more about winning or being, you know, sitting, benching themselves, if they don't think that they can be first place, um, that that's going to really be dependent on the group they're in and the Mm -hmm. environment they're in. And it's going to change a lot throughout life. Um, So I'm curious, like, as you look back, thinking about 
I don't know, junior high, high school, early college, like how did you approach new people, new groups, new environments like that? Oh gosh. Um, honestly, I don't, that's going to be difficult to recall because I don't remember having an issue approaching new people in new groups. I think it's easy to do the short term, like, hi, how are you? What's going on? And it's more difficult to do the long lasting, like friendship building stuff. Um, but it's weird because like a lot of my friends who I've had for several years, we will go, I mean, years without any form of communication. And then it's like, Hey, I'm in town. Do you want to get together? And we'll get back together. And it's like nothing. We haven't skipped a beat. Mm. Um, and I've had actually friends of mine that are like, I was so nervous to see you because I didn't know how it would be, but it's just like how you were like, it's always this. And I was, and me on the other end, I'm like, Oh, were you, I didn't know that there was like nerves seeing me again. Um, so I, I don't feel like I ever had to give myself a pep talk to meet new people. It was just like, I'm in this environment. We got to deal with people. Let's have them be good people that we're dealing with. Let's find the good people that I want to talk with and the not so good people. I mean, you answered my question. I think I just took three (laughs) off the table here. (laughs) So at Enneagram three is the achiever and they are very feeling oriented to big feels and all that, but, um, they're going to be the ones who tend to wear the mask. So, you know, like you'll be the surfer chick over here and the theater chick over here and this person over here. And you might have lots of people that you are friends with because you're not necessarily opposed to being around people, but there's a little, I don't even know if they would use the word anxiety, but a little bit of like, read the room and see what they need from me versus you like, okay, people are involved. I got to do this. Let's power through, you know, that's a little more of an eight approach. (laughs) I feel like I am who I am. Either you're going to like it or you're not. Um, and there's, I think, again, there's some natural shifting in that to be appropriate for the environment, but I don't, I don't think I, I, uh, I don't think I wear those masks. I don't know. Maybe somebody's going to come out of the woodwork and be like, when I met you in second grade, um, (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That settles me a little bit more into that. What else you want to talk about here? Um, so in those connections with others, the ones that are like the deep lasting relationships where mm-hmm. you have to really cultivate those, uh, what does that look like for you? Um, because you know, we, when we look through the fears, the longings and all of that of each type, one of the things for eights is that there's a little bit of, um, a fear of being manipulated, betrayed, you know, or being vulnerable with people. And part of that is because they have to know who to trust in order to trust them. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? How do you enter into those? Like, how do you know it's a long-term or what do you like in those long-term kind of relationships, that marriage where you had to really invest? What does that look like for you? Oh gosh. Um, I'm going to try to answer that question. I think what I do to invest in those relationships, um, I think the simplest way I can say is just simply being there. Um, and that doesn't like, I don't know. I'm not somebody who is, um, how do I phrase this? I don't, I feel like a lot of my long-term relationships that like are my go-to friends, we're not in each other's lives in a day-to-day basis now, but at one point were. And so as that time, as that distance grows, I think that there are things like, I'm somebody who, if I have a thought of somebody, I'll just send a text message like, hey, just have the strength of thought of you. Just want to say, hi, I hope you're doing well. And kind of like, that's it. It's not this like passing thought of like, oh, that was funny. And then move on. I think it's reaching out and telling that person, like you had a thought of them or you had a dream of them or something funny happened that reminded you of them. Um, I think there's that. Um, but as far as what I'm looking for in like relationships, um, 
I think areas that I am not strong in for them to have that strength to kind of be like a well-rounded thing. So if I'm like, I'm really good at this, I want somebody to be good at the things that I'm not good at. So they kind of are, are you know, roughing out the edges. Cause if we're too much alike, then it's like, cool, but I already have my own opinion. So like, I already know what that answer is going to be in regard to my filter or through my filter. Um, and I think that's something, you know, in regard to like our God squad grouping, we definitely share aspects of those things, but there are some things like I will go to Meg specifically for this. I will go to Amanda specifically for this and LJ for this and Mackenzie for that. Um, where I think it's just unique in our group that we really have that like well-rounded viewpoint to help and share and grow together. Um, I don't know. Did that answer your question? I mean, I think it does. I would okay. my follow-up would have been like, how do people get into your inner circle? But it sounds like you kind of went there that with that last part of it. So mm-hmm. Well, you have to pay me. That's for sure. Um, yeah, there's a long interview process. Um, it's tough. I like, as far as like how people get into my, my inner circle, I don't, I don't think it's something that like, it just kind of happens, you know, like you're like, Oh, this person like works or they're, and I think a big thing is like honesty, trust, you know, and like, and that's going to look different for everybody. Like what does honest look like? What does trust look like for people? But like honesty, trust, I think, um, dependability. Like that's a big thing for me. Like I give that to people. So I kind of expect that in return. So if somebody's flighty, not to say anything against them, but they're probably not going to be my inner circle. They might be like my acquaintance circle where I hang out with occasionally, but they're not going to be like a go-to person because they are just not reliable. Um, I'm sorry. People are going to be listening to this and thinking that we staged this whole thing. <laughs> she no, really didn't is, know she was an eight before she came on. This is like the the magicians doing the like we've never met before, right? You don't know, yeah, like well, no, yeah. but I actually think there are some numbers that are easier to type than others because yeah. eights are not such a mystery to themselves. You know, there are sometimes you really just are unsure about a lot of things. Eights or, or like a one, we kind of are like, no, this is the right way. This is the right, wrong way. Eights just sort of, they know what they want. They know what they can trust, depend on. And so they kind of move into their world to set those things in motion. And you're not, you're not part of the reason I, I think a lot of eights aren't looking for coaching is they, they already feel like they understand what motivates them and they move on that, you know? <laughs> so this might've been an easy one to do quickly, but um, I promise we did not know it ahead of time. I love it. I think this is perfect. And also we love female eights because we feel like sometimes you guys get a bad rap because it's okay to be a man who kind of knows what they want and moves Mm. forward in the world. Not always okay for a woman. So I love that you just embody this with a lot of grace and humility. (laughs) Well, thank you for that compliment. (laughs) Um, Since I mean, we, we can't tell you, Hey, you are an eight. I mean, I know we are telling you that, but that's because you literally don't know what any of the numbers mean. Right. Um, so I do want to kind of preface this for everyone listening that you are coming to our retreat in November and you Mm -hmm. will hear the breakdown of all nine types. And that's when I think that you really need to settle and land on what number it is and then do your work on it to make sure that that's what fits. We can Mm -hmm. sit here and say, you're saying all of these things that make you sound like you could be an eight, but you are the only person who can know yourself enough to know if that's really true for you. Um, what if this is a mask and I'm like actually a different number because I'm wearing my eight mask right now? Yeah, <laughs> you're really well, a three and we told right. you you were a challenger and you're, then I'm going to be the best challenger in this right. 20 minutes I can be. 
<laughs> or maybe oh, yeah. you're just an actor and you're really good at it. Oh, wait, you exactly. are. Yeah. You <laughs> oh, yeah. Meg probably texted her ahead of time and said, act like an eight. <laughs> and I'd be like, you got it, girl. I have no idea what that means, but yeah. <laughs> so since I feel pretty confident that that, at least from what we've talked about now, this was kind of fast. I want to talk through like what that looks like for an eight. Um, again, knowing that we're going to have this longer conversation in November when you can really break down the types and, and study them a little bit more when, when you're sitting with us. And also for anyone listening, if she sounds fun and you want to meet her, come to Colorado in November on our retreat. I'm excited to finally meet her in person. So. And you can like, pay her. Sound fun, and I just want to like. You could pay her to be your friend that weekend. Right, exactly. Headshot <laughs> on the way out. Absolutely. Well, I include do. her Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> I do signings, and yeah, I don't even know what that's called. Um, you can reach out to my representation if you want a signed autograph. And <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what have you? What have you acted in? Like, would we know? Um, maybe. So, um, I've done a ton of commercials that may or may not have been seen. Um, years, years, years ago, I did a movie called my best friend's girl with Dane Cook and Jason Biggs and Alec Baldwin. They get some play on TNT a lot. Um, and that was like my first big, big thing. And that kind of like changed my trajectory. Cause I was like, I'm done with acting. And then I got that role. And I was like, just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've done that. I've done a couple of things like on TV here and there. I will say like in the last couple of years, I did this show called a haunting. Um, and it's on the travel channel or discovery or discovery plus now. And so apparently people have like found this and I'm getting text messages and Facebook messages all the time that they're seeing me on that. And so it'll be weird. They're like, I'm seeing you on this show and there's this possessed daughter of yours. Um, and I was like, is it a haunting? Um, so I've done like a wide variety of random stuff. If you want to, you can IMDB me by my professional slash maiden name, which is Pingle, um, like Pringle potato chips without the R. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so you, you, people, um, have when I actually moved at first out here to um Georgia, it was really, really funny because um my my friend from college drove cross country with me and then I had met another friend here and they helped me like unload everything and we went out to breakfast and we're sitting at the table and the server's like, I'm so sorry. I have to ask you, are you in this movie called My Best Friend's Girl? And I'm like, and it's just so random because it's not this like really well-known movie that like everybody's seen and I was like yes she's like my girlfriends and I quote your lines over and over again and I'm like oh okay like it was just like the coolest experience for me to like have just made this big transitional um leap with like nobody out here just on my own like just moved out here I'm like we'll give acting a try and then to like the <laughs> first day there have somebody be like I recognize you like that was pretty cool that's I have um, to watch that movie now that's awesome yeah. Or not. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's uh, kind of a raunchy comedy. Uh, so it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's not necessarily my cup of tea, but hey, it was fun. It was exciting to be in it. It was a great experience. Um, but I do preface it with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know your audience here is good. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I definitely um, was at the premiere with my parents and they're like strippers in the movie. And I was like, forgot about this part. I forgot about this part. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> not so, family well, movie night okay yeah yeah so, but if people night. want to come meet the fa- quasi-famous yeah. people, <laughs> they can go to Colorado in November for the retreat absolutely you guys absolutely if you've been dying to meet me 
That's awesome. She's going to lead the 6 a.m. running group. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not been running in quite some time because now I'm comparing myself to how successful I was before. And now I'm taking kickboxing, um, which is which is a fun I, new challenge. That was so. one of my favorite things to do. If I could find a kickboxing class, I, it just there's something about the aggression that I could take out in that that felt really good. Not well, like I punching will. bags, but like literally kicking because it was like a nice mix of dance, which is what I used to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not so much anymore. And so, the, you know, physical. I will tell you this when we all lived back in California together, like I roped Dallas several times to come join me in the turbo kickbox classes they had there okay. uh, because I like, lo- is like huge cardio. Like you said, like you're just kicking, you're just get- letting all this energy out. You're like punching. And I just remember like Dallas was maybe one of two guys that were there and it's like, well, if you're single, this is the place to meet women. <laughs> um, but it is different. Cause now I'm doing like an, a mixed martial arts gym kickboxing class. So you are on the bag. And I was okay. like, Oh, it's different to make contact with something. Cause I'd be like my dance. You can't even see this cause it's a podcast. So my dance moves, punches were amazing. <laughs> um, to a, a punching bag. It's totally different. I was like, oh, I'm going to break my wrist if I keep doing that. So it's a, uh, it's yeah, I've never done it with a punching bag. I am a sissy. I imagine that wouldn't go well for me, but it's fun. It's tough. You definitely will feel it the next couple of days. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm enjoying that pain. <laughs> I worked hard for that pain. That's right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I don't know where we go from here, except what we would normally tell people, assuming that you feel this is your type and you should do some more research on it is to learn more about where you go in stress and security, because you're going to sure align with those two numbers. So I'll let Megan tell you about that. So, um, all of us, if you think of the Enneagram and I'm going to do hand motions for everyone who can't see me, if you think of the Enneagram in terms of health, like you can be a really healthy person in your number, you can live in the average space of your number, unhealthy, or what we call, um, an excess of your number and then like pathological. And I don't, that would be more like we're licensed therapists need to come in and work with people who are pathological in those ways. But most of us hang out in average space in our numbers. And then as we mature or, you know, as we learn coping mechanisms and counseling tools or grow closer to God, we can, you know, move into those healthy spaces more often. But we always have stress triggers that come into our life. We know what things spin us out in whatever way it is. And so our natural instinct is to fall from wherever we are into more unhealthy places of our own number. So for an eight, that's going to look a lot more controlling. It's going to look a lot more demanding. It's going to look more maybe punishing of other people when they're blocking your goals. Um, But at some point, we can't just keep falling through our numbers. We have to like take care of ourselves. And so we naturally will move to kind of an unhealthy space of what is called our stress line. And so for an eight, that stress line moves to five and a five, we didn't give you any information about this, but a five is the investigator. They're the researchers, but they're also more comfortable with isolation and withdrawing from people. And in their unhealthy spaces, that's what they do. They isolate, they withdraw, and then they gather up whatever they think they need to move back out into the world. So an eight in stress is going to kind of move to that five space where they're like, okay, I'm done with everybody. I'm going to go do this. And now I'm going to go gather what I need. And they can do that in a healthy way that is like more boundary setting where they're not closing off relationships and they're not hiding, or they can do it in an unhealthy way where they're like, nope, everybody leave me alone. I'm just going to be mad about it. I'm going to go hide, withdraw, and I'll come back with what I need to overpower you basically, or I'm going to come back with what I need to enter the conversation from a healthy space. I think mm-hmm. the unhealthy side of that was like the description of every, uh, cartoon villain. 
That's all I could picture. It was like Mega Mind or somebody. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's fine. Moving I've along. Seen that. I know we talk about that movie all the time. Um, so I saw you nodding a lot. Did that resonate? Yes. Yeah, so I will say I, years ago, um, there's this phenomenal acting teacher who passed away the last couple of years um, named Sam Christensen, who I took. And he does several different, um, it's not just an acting class, but it's like getting to know who you are um, and, and being honoring to your individual um, uniqueness within somebody else's words as you move forward as an actor. So you don't lose yourself in somebody else's writing. Um <clears throat> And he has this um, class that he, this like archetype class and this myth class that you would take. And like, people are like, this is your myth. This is the thing that people are like, oh, this is what I know about Hillary or whatever it is. Um, and I have like the myth of accompaniment. So it just kind of swings on the pendulum of like, when I'm feeling really taken care of, I'm like very out there. I'm hanging out with all of my friends. And when I'm not, I'm on the other side. I'm like, I'm isolated. I'm away from people. And it's like, oh yeah, that's totally, that's absolutely where I am. Um, so I think that's when I feel not taken care of, when I feel, um, you know, fearful or whatever, I'm too vulnerable. It is that isolation. Um, and very few people can kind of come into that isolation bubble with me for the most part. It's like, I just need to be by myself right now, which I think is tough because there's that, um, um, straddling that line of like self-care and then like unhealthy elements of that where it's yeah. like oh you're stuck in that um definitely the researching oh my gosh if something if I'm like somebody is like trying to make a point and they're wrong I will go down the rabbit hole and research and research and research um, growing up, my parents like were convinced I was going to be a lawyer because I would just like <laughs> argue things and research stuff. And I had this one teacher in middle school, Mr. Desmond, who was our history teacher. And he had this like plaque on his desk that it's like, I'm rarely ever wrong. Like rule number one, I'm rarely ever wrong. Rule number two, please refer to rule number one. And if you could ever correct him in something that he did, you would get like a gigantic, um, uh, like candy bar, like a big, the huge ones, not like the regular size, but like the big ones. And you were like challenge accepted. Oh, for oh, sure. Yeah. I was like, so let me tell you about this footnote I read and let me, this is the truth about Julius Caesar. And it was just like, so I think I may have gotten like five candy bars for the course of the year that I was just like, I'm, I'm there. Um, so yeah, I definitely find myself like research mode for sure. Um, and there are sometimes I have to like, like I take a minute to recognize of like, I'm doing this because I'm needing to be right. And not necessarily because I'm wanting to elevate that relationship or like take care of the problem. It's more of like, I need to be right. And there are those times where I'm able to recognize that and step back from it. And then there's other times that I'm like, no, I'm just going down that, <laughs> going down that rabbit hole. Google's my best friend for the next four hours. So, um, yeah, I've definitely done that. That's hilarious. Um, so that security spot, so you were talking about that pendulum. So mm -hmm. you, you want to tell her about the security spot? The security yeah. So you'll share a line with twos when you're in those places that are, uh, your security, you know, those healthier relationships you're feeling taken care of. That's the word you used. Um, so twos are very others referenced. They're, they're, they're the servers, the helpers They're That's where you're going to mama bear for people too. Cause you're taking care of the people in your life. And those people that are close to you, you, you don't look like that eight that's standing over. You look like more you're underneath lifting and, and accommodating them. And, and that's a safe place for you. So in that place, that makes a lot of sense on that pendulum you were talking about that you're going to go to two in security and twos are very others reference, very servant oriented and um, really 
are about being part of belonging within the context of the relationships. Yeah, there's more nurturing, more compassion that yeah. is like, accessible in those secure spots. Yeah. You think, does that resonate with you too? Oh, gosh, I hope so. Because otherwise, <laughs> I'm just a bull the whole time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, and I think that that's something that my friends have told me throughout the years of like, there is that security of knowing that when I come behind them, like it's because it's not just like willy nilly, it's because it's taking care, I'm research, I'm holding them up and all of that stuff. So I think that that, yeah, for sure. That's good. So the good thing about that is then you learn a little bit more about twos and fives. So you can, instead of swinging on the pendulum, like I'm hurt, I'm withdrawing, I'm going to this, you know, you can make, uh, we call it the growth path. You can actually make a choice to go to the high side of your stress number. Mm -hmm. So what does a five look like? Who's healthier then you're, you're just going to slide down and spiral into the low side of it without making a decision. But if you can be volitional about that and go, okay, I'm feeling some stress. I'm feeling pulled on in too many directions, or I'm not, you know, on top of my game here. And I know that this is a trigger, make some choices about going to the high side of that other number. And you're still taking care of what you need, but you're doing it without, uh, and I think for you, it's probably going to be without having others be the collateral damage. You know, if mm -hmm. you make that choice to go there, then others aren't going to pay the price for you withdrawing or gearing up, you know, to come back in and win the fight or whatever. Cause mm -hmm. you're like, okay, I know that these are some things I need, um, for my self-care, you know, in, yeah. a, in a positive way. So those are good things to know about. And then obviously the more, you know, about the other types, it's just good for relational things because, you know, if your husband, is, I don't know. I've never met the guy. If he's a two, <laughs> like at some point, you know, you he's like, saying, if a two is a, 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 like a servant's heart and my husband, I can tell you this right now is a two. Like he is like, <laughs> what can I do for you? How can I help you? I will go do things like that is him where I'm like, I just need you to be here with me. And he's like, I'm going to go do the laundry. I'm going to make you food. I was like, I just need you to be here. <laughs> he's like, no, I need to go do stuff. Like he's a two through and through. If that's, if that's a two. Well, they are doers. So he could be that <laughs> he could be another number, but you know, if you are like in unhealthy eight mode and he's an unhealthy two mode. Now we're talking about like some codependency. Like, I'm not saying that's your marriage. I'm just saying it's good to know the other types. Cause then you go, okay, what they need is not what I need. Mm -hmm. Right. Just like you're saying, I need from you to be there and stop doing for me. Cause you're like, yeah. I can do for myself. I don't need you to do right. I need you to be the softer side of the emotions that I need to feel right now. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's just good communication. It's like taking love language information next level. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, what is it that you're really fearing or you're really longing for, or you're really needing from me outside of the, those five like things yeah, and more core issues. So we, we love the Enneagram. We talk about it all the time. My brother said that Enneagram people and CrossFit people have one thing in common. And that is, they always talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's and we are, and he was totally saying that at us because my brother Dallas does CrossFit as you know, that's Meg's husband. And we sat down at the table and they're like, oh, we went from CrossFit to Enneagram. Big surprise. Look who's sitting here. <laughs> What's funny is that Dallas just posted a CrossFit thing today. And I went and commented on it. Do you know what CrossFitters and Enneagram people have in common? <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of nerds about that. Interestingly enough, my brother who made that comment is an eight. So maybe you're already <laughs> over it and you're like, is this half hour up? Can I get off this? <laughs> Can I have a refund? <laughs>
Um, which is interesting because da- Dallas is the eight. No, Dallas is. Oh, not. That's my I was one. like, I know that you have several eights, but there are d- aspects of mine and Dallas's personality that are very similar and then very different. So I was like, oh, that's interesting if he's an eight because there are some things that I was like, I guess that could make sense. Well, okay. a few of the things you were saying were making me think of a three, which is what his type is. And so Got that's it. what I was okay. kind of pressing in on that. Although performers and threes are going to have a little bit of similarity just because of how you move through your world, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that that can definitely plan having said all of that and our listeners don't care at all, but there are some of your <laughs> hand motions and even your vocal intonations that remind me so much of my sister-in-law, Meg. I'm like, kind of like, whoa, that was I'm just sure. Meg. She just channeled her. <laughs> there, there will definitely be times when we all get together. Like our friend, Amanda will do like the kissy fingers. And so it's like, if we've been together for a long time, we start doing this. It's like, I've been around Amanda too long. Like it's, <laughs> we just know, like there are these things that, that we, uh, that we pick up on. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I know um, we kind of got to your number really, really fast and then just had fun with this, but do you have any questions for us about this before we head off? Because it's going to be a few months now before you probably, unless, unless you decide you're going to go research all of this right now and dig in, I'm guessing. You know, what is, is so funny is that like some aspect of me be like, yeah, I'm interested, but I also feel like if I go down the Google rabbit hole, I'm going to find things that aren't appropriate or aren't right for that. So I'm just like, I'm just going to let this simmer because I'm in agreement with it. I'm not like, oh no, I'm not an eight. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. So I think I'm going to wait until we do the thing in November to sit there and let it like really resonate and really kind of unpack it and deal with it there um, rather than try to go figure it out on my own and then be like, what am I doing with this number right now? I don't have all the answers until November. Um, (laughs) That's my, would be my emotional response to, to it. I'm just crying. And um, so I'm not going to research it now, uh, but I will come, you know, with the knowledge and the um, information that's been provided for me today and kind of come in with open ears and remembering ears from uh, what we happened today, what's going to happen in November, because I'm excited to kind of explore it more then. Awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, my sister-in-law said, I'm introducing you guys to Hillary. She needs to be a guest on your podcast. You will love her. And she was not wrong. Totally loved (laughs) being with you today. You were delightful. And we really appreciate your time. And you might might be leading a group for eights at the retreat. (laughs) Awesome. Yes. So far, I think you're the only eight signed up. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, that's that's cool. That's what we do. Eights are eights. So I am what I am. I love it. Thank you so much, Hillary. Thank you. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash team DGM. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org. For information and pricing about individual coaching sessions, and we even offer virtual and in-person staff training opportunities for your organization. You can also follow me on Instagram at Enneagram Megan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org. And while you're there, check out our retreat for this November 2021 in Colorado. We have registration live and we would love to see you there.